It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, draft 412. We are on the clock. Steelers football talk. Um, guys, we all know what happened. They were 10 and 7 during the regular season. They they get Buffalo at Buffalo. They get the game delayed for a day. And Emmett, we know what the final score was. It was 31-17 Buffalo. Was this was this what you expected coming into the game? And by the way, this is Emmett Man. He's one of our uh one of our big writers and uh, members of the uh, draft nation, I should say, not draft four one two. It's draft four one two. draft Carolina all mixing in together. Emmett, was this what you expected, or is it a little bit better maybe than what you expected, or was it even worse than what you expected? I wasn't sure what I expected, so <laughs> I guess it's probably all of the above. Um, I guess in the end, I wasn't terribly surprised by the final result. Uh, I mean, they were uh, again not that I pay any heed to uh, lines or anything because uh, I think they're meaningless when it comes to games, but they, they were a 10-point underdog mm-hmm. and uh, that was with the, the presumption that they would be playing in some rather adverse weather. So the fact that the the, the field conditions were relatively uh, uh, reasonable for them to lose by 14 points I, I guess is not a, a, a shocking outcome. And and one of the guys that wasn't at the game, um, of course, he was hurt and probably probably wasn't going to get back, even if we extended the playoffs. They were saying he might, but I, I doubted it. Um, in your opinion, would TJ Watt have made any kind of difference? I mean, could he have possibly been the difference maker, or do you think he I – don't, I, I don't know how to really explain the question as much as, like, could TJ Watt change the outcome of that game? Well, um, 
statistically speaking, he always has the ability to change the outcome of games. Uh, I, I would put that within the realm of possibilities that it could have changed, that, you know, maybe uh, his presence out there changes their approach to the game, uh, the, the sequences of plays they called and what kind of plays. Uh, maybe he prevents them from going right down the field to open the game and gash. Uh, if that doesn't happen, if somehow he keeps – uh, he keeps that opening drive to a field goal or no points. And uh, George Pickens doesn't do George Pickens things. Maybe maybe it's a, it, it is a different game uh, just by having him and having to completely change your blocking schemes and your roots. I, I, I agree. And I, I agree with the game of what you're saying. I actually – expected a lower scoring game going in. Of course, I was thinking that the weather was going to be um, more of an issue. Um, but I think what shocked me a little bit was we're used to the last couple years in the playoffs. When it was 14 nut in Buffalo, I thought for sure we were looking at 45 to 10 or 45. I thought that I gave the Steelers a little bit of credit that they, they, they stuck in there at least. They didn't, they didn't give up, so to speak, as they did with uh, Cleveland a couple years ago where they just got down – at the beginning and just lost it. But I, I agree with TJ Watt. I think, I think sometimes uh, we over, uh, I don't want to say we over inflate um, Alex Highsmith, but you sort of see the real Alex Highsmith in games that, that Watt doesn't play. It's like, he doesn't seem to like rise to the occasion. Like the old Evgeny Malkin used to do when Crosby wasn't there, like take over to take over to reign. So I, I do agree with you. I think Watt could have been a, a even later in the game when they got we, we cut it to seven, Walt could have been that kind of guy that just put that pressure on Allen. And Allen didn't do Josh Allen things. He didn't do that that one. I, I told you going into last week, I thought, Josh Allen, you get enough pressure on him. Maybe he'll he'll make that that stupid mistake right. as a quarterback does. But he he played pretty uh tight to the vest. Um one of the questions, and this is this this drove me nuts. This, I'm not usually a, a guy that Harps on Facebook about plays or certain calls, but the uh, late in the game, I guess it was the third quarter. What, right, third quarter, but middle of the third quarter. Yeah. Um, Joey Porter got um, hit from behind. Well, he was making a tackle. The guy dove in from behind, made head-to-head contact when he wasn't looking, which made him defenseless. And not only the referees not call anything, they showed the replay like five times. Tony Romo and Jim Nance never one time said, "Ooh." That should have been a 15-yard penalty, or oh, that was cheap. That should be never once did it get brought up in the in the broadcast. And to me, that was the the ultimate defenseless player. They're trying to protect players in the NFL, not hit you in the head. Um, what did you think when that play happened? Okay, um, I want to ask you a question before we get into it. It's a legitimate question. It's not a gotcha question. Uh, you know, have you gone back and looked at the play since the game? Not since the game. Okay. My first reaction when it happened, my first reaction is that's that's an illegal block in the back. And I texted friends about that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I was I was uh, stumped at why it wasn't uh, called. But there is a lot going on in that play. And this is the answer that's probably going to end my draft 4-1-2 career. Because nobody's <laughs> going to want to hear from me ever again by the time I finish with this. Okay. 
Lots of things. Because I've gone back and I've watched it about 20 times. And I watched it again an hour before we started just to make sure that my eyes weren't lying to me. Okay, my initial reaction was, yes, block in the back. And that with the momentum he was coming, that he must have been coming from 20 yards downfield. It's not the case. Okay, what's going on? Diggs has the ball right at the sticks. Porter is trying to pull him back uh, so he doesn't get the line to gain. You see McGovern from the end zone. He's about five to seven yards. He's kind of trotting. He sees Porter pulling him back. He engages again, and he goes rushing in. Now, here's where things – remember, we've all seen this in slow motion. The referees have to make these decisions in real time. So here's what I've seen now that I've gone back and looked at it. First point, head-to-head. He does not make head-to-head contact. It is shoulder-to-shoulder. There's a lot of back involved. The concussion comes from the whiplash, from the momentum created by McGovern going into him. So – that's there's no head to head there. Second of all, as to blocking the back again, when you go back and you look at it objectively, take it, your emotion out of it. His, as he's making contact, McGovern's head is just slightly in front of Porter's shoulders. And if you look at any punt returns during the you know the year, you you know you want to throw a flag on blocking the back on every one. And then when you slow it down, and, and the, the, if you can get your head in front of the guy, it's not blocking the back. Mm-hmm. Um, if there had been another defender and another offensive lineman engaged and McGovern had come in there, no one would have said a word. So, uh, my again, in real time, I can see why they didn't call it blocking the back. I still think it's blocking, it should have been blocking the back uh, and, and, you know, five yards from the spot. Um, but as to, you know, again, my, my sense initially was, yeah, that's, that, that's kind of a questionable hit, but, uh, again, I, I've looked at it probably at least 20 times in slow motion, dubious borderline, but not dirty. And again, I checked as of an hour before we started, not even a fine from the league. And as Steeler fans are well aware um, that uh, with uh, uh, with Warren, who seems to get fined every other week for a block, uh, for him not to receive a fine tells me the league looked at it, saw what I saw, and that while it really stinks for Joey Porter, um, but you know this is a fan base that every time there's a a, a borderline quarterback uh, roughing the, the passer penalty, they go. Oh, you know, I'll put dresses on them. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, James Harrison would have been executed for that hit, that type of thing. It is still a contact sport. Uh, and, I, and the league has, has numbed us to, the, to the, uh, the notion of contact that anything uh, that looks really violent must be a penalty. Uh, that's kind of the attitude the NHL takes. If someone gets hurt, then it's a dirty play. But, you know, if you drive a guy through the boards and he gets up and skates away, you know, no harm, no foul. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, football is an emotional sport. What makes it so f- – why it has such the, – the far and away the most uh, – the biggest fan base in America is the passion. 
you have to play with passion so it engenders passion in the fans. But, you know, I'm sorry, Steeler Nations. You didn't bathe yourself in glory this last weekend. Between the whining about moving the game, the whining about this, it's just, it, it was, to me, it was unbecoming. Uh, you know, the notion that they wanted Buffalo and Kansas City to meet. Really? You know, every time I hear, I see Pittsburgh and Baltimore on the schedule, everyone says, oh, that's the biggest rivalry in the NFL. So you're telling me they wanted to take Kansas City, obviously marquee with Holmes, and Buffalo, which is a mid-rating, as over Pittsburgh and Baltimore with the presumptive MVP on, on there. Come on, Pittsburgh. You know, I, I understand it's natural to make excuse when your team doesn't win, but not great. I mean, if you were really to scream about anything, scream about the missed um, holding call on Pickens on the fourth down play, or more yeah. egregiously on that play, the one that you, you want to know what really got me upset was that play hands to the face right on the, right on the, uh, uh, the line of scrimmage. Um, um, you know, that mm-hmm. missing a holding call can happen if bodies get in the way. Mm-hmm. But that hands to the face, it's wide open. How do they miss that? Yeah, I, I, to get back to your point, I, I get your point on what you, what you said about the, uh, the Joey Porter hit. But do you think the league, and I've, I've even said this a couple of times, when a running back is held up and um, there's defenders around them, they can't get them to go down, and then the offensive linemen come flying in. Do you think that should be something that they look at? I mean, I know you, I don't want to, I don't want any more penalties than what there already is. I'm not saying they should, but do you think that's something that maybe going forward that they should, um, cause they do hit people from behind at that point they're pushing, yep. but they're, they're, they're literally running through the guy from behind. And yep. which again, if there had been one or two other players in there, this would be a non-topic, but I think you, you raise a great point and I'll raise a point on the other side of the ball. This is something I've been screaming about for years I hate when there's a running back and four guys run in, they hold them up, and one guy comes in and rips the ball out. Yeah, that's not yeah, – If I, they I agree. did that a quarter of a mile outside in the parking lot, they'd all be walking away in handcuffs. So, yeah, yeah. I think these, these, these rugby scrums need to be examined. Uh, I don't think we need to go the route of California and banning uh, tackle football, but uh, – I think some of this stuff that is not germane to the game uh, needs to have a closer examination to it. What would you do in that aspect, though? Would you would you want the referees just to blow the whistle faster if the running back yep. not moving? I I agree with you. There is times where, and you'll see a guy like get an extra two yards and still be battling, and two other guys come in, and then I mean I don't care how strong a running back is, and you have four. 250 pound plus guys ripping at your arm, ripping at the ball. I can't believe it doesn't, I can't believe it doesn't happen more often than, than what, what it does. Um, but I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I just thought um, the, the, the way he, I mean, live, I, I didn't go back and look like the way you did, but live, it looked like um, it looked like that, that, that I thought, I thought Joey got hit in like the, the, not the helmet, but like below, like the, the neck to the. That, again, if you look at it, he makes contact with his shoulder up high. I mean, it's close to the neck and with the punch. And you see his head kind of snap back. Regarding the helmet, McGovern actually almost hits Diggs with his helmet mm. as opposed to Porter. 
Well, do you? But you said at the end of that, it's still a five yard. It should be at least a five or ten yard penalty for hitting in the back or whatever, right? It's a, yeah. it's a legal. It's a legal yeah. block. Hit it. Uh, right. The block in the back, which I think it's a ten yard penalty, right? The ten yard. Uh, yeah, I think it's ten. You're right. Yeah, right. so it's hitting the back. But I, okay, I mean, I, that was the one thing that bothered me. I probably maybe over over bothered me, and I probably should have went back and looked. But it, it just seemed like to me, like if we can get back into that with with the announcing, I I just thought that. And I'm not a homer guy that says, oh, my God, I hate the Steelers because I hate that. I, I think Collinsworth, while I like Collinsworth as a player, as, a, as, a, as an announcer, it doesn't really bother me. But these people, every time he's on, if you get on Facebook, within 10 oh. minutes, it's Collinsworth hates us. It's, 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 it's blah, blah, blah. And meanwhile, I think that I've had games with Collinsworth from like, man, this guy's going out of his way to, mm-hmm. to be nice to the Steelers or to say <laughs> – you know, when we played them in the the eighties, it wasn't fun, like stuff like that. But, but I'm glad you 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 uh you said that because I was I was getting a little I was a little iffy about that play, and um I still don't like the hit in the back, but at least it wasn't a a head to head like I thought it was. But my Tom, I I I think some of the uh, the uh, the other thing that that I think that was far more controversial, and Steeler fans were absolutely correct work to complain about was the disparity in, in the quarterback sliding uh, oh, that, yeah. that I think they, they absolutely got wrong but in the context of the game they actually might have done the Steelers a favor by calling that on Allen because he had already gotten the first down so they got the extra 15 yards and they scored right after that <laughs> by calling yeah, that, that, that he may have actually saved the Steelers a couple minutes on the clock yeah, that's true. I mean, that's like uh, that's why you see a team give up a touchdown fast late in the game on purpose, just to just to free up their offense to have some time. Um, Mike Tallman, he walked away from the question at the uh, press conference, but a couple of days later, he settled down and uh, he's definitely coming back to Pittsburgh. Um, they already talked about the extension is gonna they're gonna offer the extension. It's, it's probably gonna at ninety nine percent it's gonna happen. Um, in your opinion, now that this is all happening with the quarterback situation being an open competition as well, do they do they go outside? I asked you this last week too, but I want to see if anything's changed in your mind. Do they go outside the organization for the OC? Do you do you, do you believe that they are going to find somebody? I'm not sure they have a choice. Um, yeah, he he he, uh, he said uh, there'll be a competition, but Pickett goes in as the number one. Well, that's talking out of both sides of your mouth, uh, and yeah, you, you, you know, I don't. If I'm Mason Rudolph, I don't know that I even entertain an offer that's, from the Steelers. I agree with that. Uh, why, why would he? I mean, he's going to get, he's going to get money. He's not going to get big money, but he's right. going to get money. He's going to get more money than he's going to get more money than he's ever made in the NFL. Put it that way. Yeah, and you know, it's there's the hurt feelings and there's money. Uh, there's no guarantee that he'll get a guarantee from some saying, yeah, we'll make you the starter, but they might give him, it's going to be a competition, but there's no clear cut number one. And the other thing a lot of teams will have is salary cap space. And yeah, there's the, you know, Trubisky out, uh, you know, you can move on from Robinson, Ogan Joby, Keanu Neal, uh, you can restructure Hayward. You you can free up twenty to twenty five thirty million in cap space, but right now the Steelers are twenty fifth in available cap space for 
2024 at negative 6.7. And just to put that in perspective, in the AFC North, Cincinnati is sixth with 62.2 million available. Baltimore is 22nd at 5.6 available. And Cleveland, of course, 27 at negative 13.9 million. But the point being, there's a lot of other teams that can offer him more than what the Steelers can and can say, hey, you know, um, we're going to give you a legitimate shot to be number one. And I don't think uh, Tomlin didn't make that clear. In fact, I think he muddied the water uh, today. So, uh, yes, they are going to have to go out back. They're going to have to draft at least one, and they're going to have to find a veteran quarterback uh, elsewhere. And, you know, I hear – I hear a lot of talk of Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson. They're not coming in unless they're told they have a legitimate shot at being number one. Um, Justin Fields, that's going to cost assets. Uh, And again, teams that are further up in the food chain can probably put a nicer offer out there. So I don't know. It's Omar Khan. I I hope he's a member of Sam's Club or Costco, or one of those things, because he's going to have to buy Baylocks in bulk. I, I agree. I, I Trying to think who the quarter they, – they mentioned the quarterback competition will, will be open. Um, besides Pickett, I don't see Rudolph being there. I don't see – I agree with what you said. I don't even think a team has to say, hey, you have a chance to be number one. I think a team – I'm just throwing this out there. KC, they have, a, they have Mahomes. That's mm-hmm. their quarterback. Why not get a Mason Rudolph for eight million, nine million, just to come in and hey, we know he can play a game or two. Yep. Hopefully, we don't need him. And that's what I think. If I'm Mason Rudolph, I, I, I mean, I don't know how he feels about the Steelers. I don't talk to him or nothing. But if I'm him from the outside, I'm like, I'm getting out of here, man. I'm, I've, I've I did my time. I showed them what I could do. Um, th- you know, I, I just don't. I don't get the whole. I still don't know, and I don't know if anybody's asked Tom, and it's like, what, what took so long? What took so long? Like, Trubisky wasn't looking good from snap one mm-hmm. of the season. So there had to be some reason why they just didn't feel comfortable going to him right away. Um, do you and think obviously they still don't. No, I mean, do you think the Steelers, and they have a lot of needs in this draft. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's, we, we, could, we could basically name a position, yeah. and we could say, yeah, they need somebody. I mean, uh, maybe besides tight end, yeah, wide receiver, yes. Um, running back, depending on what they do with Najee, it could be a yes. The offensive line, they always need offensive line. Um, you could basically defensive line. You don't know what Hayward's situation is going to be. I mean, he's he's getting a little um, he's getting a little uh, upper in the age, and he, he, I mean, does he does he trust coming back for another year or two? And, and there's a lot of lot of needs. Do you think the quarterback's even going to be a spot they can even afford to draft a guy? You're right, and I wouldn't even exclude um, tight end. Uh, Friar Muth, uh, you, you know, he's he's eligible for an extension this offseason, but his, his durability and reliability, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, you have to take that into consideration. I mean, seriously, I think the only position that they can feel really secure about this offseason is kicker. Um, I think you're right because punter they ain't comfortable either. No, punter is, <laughs> uh, yeah, running back. You, you're going to have to pretty soon make a decision on uh, Harris's fifth year option. Uh, you know, K 
Can Warren take the punishment as an every down back? I have big questions about that. Uh, wide receivers, do you move on from Deontay Johnson for cap space? And if you do, you do I mean, you have a wildly inconsistent George Pickens and five or six guys named Mo. I, I mean, it's, uh, you know, certainly they need a center. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that you really could go down. I mean, I honestly think, for it, which is strange, for as well as they drafted last year, which they did draft well, they mm-hmm. drafted an A or a B, yeah. um, they actually have more holes now than they did when the season started, or at least in the minds of people that have watched the team. Like you said, Mason Cole took a major step back. Um, I don't know how much you could trust Daniels and Samolo. They're not really, they're not, they, they look all right at times. And then I've seen Daniels totally miss a, miss a blitzer coming in. Um, we know, we know about Dan Moore um, and, and a quarter force. So you're going to have, you're going to have um, hopefully Broderick Jones starting off at left tackle. So you need to probably get a, need a right tackle. Um, the receivers, you can't trust. You can't trust what you got right now. It's mm-hmm. this team has a lot of a lot of issues. I mean, this team, honestly, on paper right now today is worse in my mind than they were on paper going into week one. I I, I absolutely agree with that assessment, one hundred percent. I couldn't I couldn't agree more strongly uh, with what you just said. Um, and I think a lot of it is not just the drink, but again, it's it's the free agent signings. Uh, they just they just seem to sign more of the same. And, and I made these comments, you know, when we did a preview before training camp that, you know, last year they got killed by the run. So they went and they got run stuffers that can't cover. Can't cover. Yep. So now they'll probably have the pendulum swing aside from a Landon Roberts. You know, they'll probably go out and get a bunch of, cover guys that can't tackle the run. And this goes back to something we've had a lot of discussions about, and it's going to factor into Tomlin. It's going to factor into the offensive coordinator and, and down the line, but they just, it's the blood is so stale in scouting and coaching that the, the group thing that takes place in the off season is absolutely what crushes them. And, and, You'll always hear the defender saying the Steelers are such a great organization. I heard Joy Taylor today on Speak saying the Steelers are a great organization, and they are a good organization. And then they throw out, "Well, there's a, there's, they've won six Lombardies. Well, they won their fourth coming up this Saturday, 44 years ago. Since then, they won two. You know who else has won two in that time period? San Francisco, Washington, Dallas, New York." Giants, New England, Denver, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Seattle and Indianapolis were this close to joining that. So got to divorce yourself from the mindset that the Steelers are the standard bearer for organizations uh, because history since 1980 does not bear that out. Do you think a lot of the, um, do you think a lot of the, um, the hoopla for the Steelers organization being the top organization. Do you think a lot of that has to do with the way they handle their coaches? Do you think that's like a lot of people look at that and say, Oh, they're, they're so, they're so they, they think we're a stable organization because of the fact that we don't, we don't jump on, we don't jump off the handle. Um, but I, I would say, and, and you might know this a little bit better than me with the Chuck Noll era 
that the Steelers seem to hold on to each, maybe not Cowher as much, but it seems like they hold on to their coaches a little longer than they probably they probably have should. And I, I, I don't, I, I was pretty young at the end of Knowles, but I do remember, um, I remember the Steelers struggling, of course. I mean, yeah. they weren't they weren't yeah. real good, and that was when Bradshaw was basically hurt ninety percent of the time as well. Um, do you think that like the organization? I mean, I, I don't get. I, I get. I get it. I'm. I'm a home. I'm a here. I'm here in fifty years. I get the the persona of the Steelers, and I and I'm I'm amazed at. I don't. I don't leave the state a lot, but I'm amazed when I watch TV to just the the Steeler Nation's amazing. I mean, and then you go, you look at somebody that goes to Germany or something, and you see pictures of Steeler bars in Germany. And it's like it's amazing, but. You could go to some village, the most remote village in <laughs> South uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, and you're gonna find a Steelers bar. It's crazy. Uh, which again flies in the face of Steeler conspiracy theories that the NFL would be out to get the Steelers. But exactly. You're absolutely right. And I. Um, go ahead. And I saw your post on Facebook about that. A guy um, mentioned that they want the. I saw that, and you you told the guy exactly what you just said. You're like really i was like i don't you're like i agree with everything you said except for that that one point you said there's no reason this they wouldn't want the steelers and ravens that's in that's insane that's a that's a great rivalry you could put that on a saturday night and people would go nuts for it it'd be yep. a it'd be a huge game yeah and you know you mentioned stability and another word for stability is stagnant that's true uh, and uh so uh, you know with no because uh, I'm a little older than you and, and I can, you know, I remember the emotional farewell press conference and, uh, and I remember those last couple of years and it was stagnant mm -hmm. uh, and it was, you know, kind of, they were riding the wave of their championship years. And I remember the end of the cower years where it was kind of getting stagnant. Mm -hmm. So in both instances, ownership waited until they had taken on way too much water to start bailing. Um, yes, stability is a source of pride, but it's also a source of stubbornness. Uh, and my concern for Steelers is that this, um, you know, Artie Rooney is a big fan of the status quo, a big fan of history, a big fan of tradition, and that he's not going to start bailing until Tomlin has a losing season. I agree. I don't, I mean, I thought for a while there, I mean, I wasn't sold on the fact that Rooney would make a change, but I, I was, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that Tomlin was going to just yeah. come back. And I, yeah. I mean, to me, I think Tomlin, I, I, he has to be getting to that point where it's like, I got to do something. It's getting bad. Like I, I could tell even at a press conference, he's, he's usually a guy that he might say something, be a little bit of a smart ass, but he's never done what he did there. Just, not say a word and walk out and and that's going to impact their search for an offensive coordinator uh, i mean tomlin did make it clear that he is he, he wants to go outside he's not elevating either of the two guys okay. um but if you're a young up-and-coming offensive coordinator and when you look at tomlin's history with coaches that he just you know he's not a big fan of dissent he, uh he, he has no coaching tree to speak of but i'm sure there are people out there that have the sentiment that you got that okay he's coming back this year and yes there'll be an extension if for no other reason to maintain peace and order in the locker room but are you going to uproot your family 
move however far, settle down, get enmeshed in a whole new community with the chance that the guy that hired you is going to decide 12 months from now, I've had enough, I need a break. The team brings in a new head coach and you're punted. Yep. So I think that's really going to limit the caliber of candidate uh, that, that they may be able to bring in. See, I think the Steelers, I know everybody wants that young guy, and I, I get it. I get the whole NFL with the young guys, that, that young offensive coordinator from, from Detroit. Um, a lot of different offensive coordinators, the young Kingsbury's name's coming back up in Chicago right now. So there's, right. there's this young this young attitude, and I get it. Like the, the young guys come in, they, they change the offense, they have their own thing. But I really believe that if Rooney wants to make a mark, he, he establishes a fact that they're going to bring in a veteran OC that has a little bit of a um, – a little bit of a temperament. I know that coward. I know that. I think me and you talked about this. Tom and I can. I like it, but he needs somebody to question him. He needs that. He yeah. he, he can't just be a guy like, hey, there's Terrell Austin. Hey, you're gonna do what I want. He, he basically has that feeling like they do what they want. They they're they're yes men. They're just hey, okay, coach, yeah. you know, do what we gotta do. I think they should bring in. Who, I'm not saying Todd Haley. I'm saying a guy like Todd Haley. A guy that's been in the league for a while knows what. Knows what he wants to do, knows what he can do, and that, that's gonna be that's gonna be. I'm more interested in what they do there at DOC than I am really. Uh, that's the first. That's the first piece of the puzzle that's gonna fall this off season. And and it looks like they're dragging their feet, and so all of the top OCs are gonna end up either as head coaches yep. or moving on to some other organization. The one thing I really really want them to not do. I don't want a Pittsburgh connection. I don't want a Steeler connection. Nope. I don't want someone whose grandparents uh, no, nope. are from Cranberry. I don't want someone nope. that got a Steeler jersey when they were eight year old. Mm -hmm. I mean, enough. I, I mean, I see it and hear it and read it so often. Well, he's a Pittsburgh guy. Oh, yeah. Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich. Like, I don't want Byron Leftwich. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. You need somebody from the outside that has no ties to Pittsburgh that ain't going to sit here and be like, it's a stealer way. It's a stealer way. He ain't going to know it's a stealer way. He's going to come in here. And I agree with you. This is, this is a big and, – and before I let you go, I'm going to say this. This is the biggest offseason. I thought last year was a big offseason. Oh. This offseason right now, with all the holes that we got, Con can't strike out. He can't strike yeah. out at all in this draft. Yeah. He's got a he's – I mean, he was pretty close to being – he was pretty close to batting 1,000 in this draft for, for the positions that we got and what we needed. Um, and that that's even with Thornell Washington in there that, you know – uh, at the top, but I, he's going to have to be almost perfect next year for this team to have a shot, have yeah. a, have a chance. zero room for error uh, because our division is so getting holes. better. And yeah, the, the, the teams in the division are, are going to get so much yep. better. Uh, you know, aside, um, you know, uh, well, Cincinnati's definitely drafting ahead of them. Uh, I, I know, Cleveland's close, uh, but uh, in, and aside from Baltimore or Cleveland, I'm sorry, they have much more money to spend. Uh, yeah, he, he he just cannot whiff. Yeah, Baltimore, Baltimore, is, Baltimore is 62 million is, is ridiculous. That's that's is that you said Baltimore was Cincinnati. 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 That's even scary too with all the talent they got on offense and and the defense. And it's funny, it's like the circle of life with Cleveland because I'm going to say five six years ago, Cleveland was like close to 100 million. And they took their time spending the money. Now they're back on the other side of the. They're finally on the other side of the um the spectrum where they, 
they're a little bit low in the funds for once because they were a team that was always going out and uh, plugging holes. And they did it pretty well, though. I mean, and I agree with your, your Steeler talk is the Pirates go out and get a third-tier outfielder, third-tier uh, shortstop, and the, and the town goes nuts. Oh, they're cheap. They're cheap. The Steelers grab, like, Mason Cole and James Dino's on day one of free agency. Guys that are, are probably – eighth or ninth maybe their position during that free agency or you know they were they were veteran guys that they Steelers don't go out and grab the top of the line guys. I mean they they get like a Patrick Peterson or a Joe a Joe Hayden at the end of their career and they're a name guy but I mean a little long in the tooth but but Emmett I, I look forward to the off season with you because we're gonna have a lot of um like I said it's gonna start falling with the offensive coordinator. Um I think once a coordinator gets in there um me, me and you and the rest of the guys at Draft Nation will start talking about who who fits the Steelers' way. I guess the Steelers will be drafting between 19 and 20. 20. 20, 20. They're, they're, in, 20? they're, in okay. 20. they're locked into 20. Okay, so that's they're picking 20th. Not much Again. different than last year. Yep, like, and you had the greatest point, and I'll tell you what, I'm not afraid to say this to you. When I'm at a bar, I'm out with people, and they start talking about the Steelers, I, I tell them what you said. I said, the guy named Emmett that I work with said, they're like on a treadmill. They're in the middle. They they play in the middle. They draft in the middle. There there's no way for them to break out of that chain. It's like a it's like an endless cycle. It's like it's like for other people that might not understand what he's saying. It's like it's like Groundhog's Day. It's yeah. basically getting on the same spot of the treadmill every year and not making any any uh, improvement or any. You're not really losing ground, but you're not gaining ground. But I think it's the one year we might talk about them losing ground if they don't. Like I said, if they don't, if they don't hit the free agency the right way and don't draft good this year. They're in, they're in some trouble. Nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> That's a good point. Emmett, thank you so much. And guys, don't forget www.draft412.com www.draftcarolina.com Look for draftnation.com here. I, I'm going to say in the next two, three weeks from what I'm hearing. And then look for, um, please get on our website right now and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, the newsletter is it new and improved? Um, we got some contests on the newsletters. Um, we're actually going to give away, uh, just talk to Jay today. We're going to give away Yetis here in the future for uh, random people to sign up for the newsletter. So get on her. It's, it's up and coming. We got the draft party coming up. Um, Emmett's got Draft Carolina flying off the handle right now. We got the Draft Nation coming in, and we just keep growing. So thank you for listening in. If you're a sponsor, reach out to us. We're always looking for some sponsors. So Emmett, thank you for your time and have a great night. Well, draft four one two, thanks. It's been fun. Uh, and if I get a call from Joe four one two tomorrow, telling me to report to Human Resources, <laughs> I've enjoyed my time here on draft four one two. All the best. Oh, you did good, man. <laughs>